0: Welcome, everyone, to episode eight of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this is my co-host, Dylan from Galactic Battleground. Hey, what's up? Shout out to our sponsors, Can Arcade, everything arcade, music, and cannabis. This week, we have the the pleasure of speaking with Belia Portillo, and she has been involved with Killer Queen for quite some time, and she recently went through a career change, but I want to dive into where she started and everything. So welcome, Belia.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So I want to jump right into this here. Um, We've met a handful of times at different conventions all over the country, but I want to know kind of where you came from and where you started by means of video games. So tell me like some of the earliest video game memories you have or some of the games that really influenced your love for video games as a child.
1: Yeah, sure thing. So um, a lot of people know I'm an only child. Uh, It's just pretty obvious if you get to know me a little bit. Uh, yeah, so as an only child, you know, don't have, like, the distractions of, like, siblings or anything like that, so all I really had was video games, and, uh, we were a Sega Genesis household, so definitely some of my favorite early games were, um, Sonic the Hedgehog, huge fan of that one, uh, Comic Zone, which not a lot of people know about, but I would replay that game over and over again, just, you know, I have a ton of Sega games that I still have to this day. And then, you know, as I grew older, got more into like Nintendo games and PlayStation when that became a thing. So uh, now I rarely play console games. I've just got a Nintendo Switch just because it's a really awesome console, but mostly I am a PC gamer. And then, of course, all of the arcade games, which, you know, a lot of the games that were ported to the arcade, you know, came from like the Sega or Nintendo generation of games. So it's just always something that's caught my fascination. And yeah, like, you know, when I first started going to Logan Arcade, I was just, awestruck with their collection they've got, they've got a really beautiful collection of games and they're all very well maintained. So that kind of kept me coming around.
0: Yeah, I mean speaking of Logan Arcade, you just told me a pretty cool story about how they came to be. So what what is the story that you know of how Logan Arcade came to be?
1: Yeah, I, I hope that I don't misspeak here because this is just my experience as a neighbor because I used to live uh, across the street from them. And, you know, back then, this was like 2012, they were um, uh, actually a record shop. And then prior to that, they were like a, a record label, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, prior to that, they were a hardware store. So at the, at the record shop, you know, we would go there and the deal was you would buy something, anything, it could be like a cassette tape for a quarter or whatever. And then that would get you access to their cool hidden back room. And back there, they had a couple of select uh, arcade machines or pinball machines or whatever. And so that's what we would do, you know, we were bored in summer or whatever and just go there, buy a record or something and then hang out in the arcade for a little while. And so eventually that evolved to be a full scale arcade rather than a record shop. The record shop moved down the streets uh, a couple blocks down. Um, but yeah, just some really fun memories there. And, uh, you know, 2014, they ended up getting Killer Queen, the machine. So, you know, when it, when they posted about that on Facebook, I was just super excited because it was this big ominous machine i'd never seen anything like it before in my life you know they 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 both it was this 10 player uh experience it's like 10 player machine and so i went and went went to go check it out and you know little did i know that people that i encountered there would end up becoming you know lifelong friends but at the time i was just kind of very intimidated by them you know it's it's kind of intimidating your first time stepping up to killer queen
2: yeah seriously so,
1: yeah. yeah you know it's it's a bunch of strangers just like screaming and high-fiving each other so i would kind of like watch from a distance from my f- first couple of visits and eventually you know they kind of saw me awkwardly staring at them <laughs> and they pulled me to, like, I play? <laughs> and i was like no i don't know how to play i'm not doing that and so they just kept like No, come over here we have an empty spot and so i did yeah the rest is kind of history right
2: yeah that's awesome so um let me talk to about uh, how you got involved with Killer Queen. Like, what was your first steps into that?
1: You mean as a comp with Bumblebear? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, with Bumblebear,
1: Yeah. So this was actually yeah. So this was uh, in Minneapolis, 2017. Um, at this point, you know, I'd been a, a an avid Killer Queen player, traveling to different tournaments, and this was actually Bumble Bash two uh, in Minneapolis over at Up, up Down. Okay. And. um you know our team lost pretty early we struck out and um started started getting some some drinks in and uh I, I cornered josh and nick and i said you guys need help with your social media at the time i think i was i was working in it and uh you know i, I kind of cornered them and i was like y- you know your social media presence is atrocious let me do it for you <laughs> i can, post, I can I'm in touch with all of the memes and, like, the local communities and, like, you know, I was kind of becoming more of a community manager as well at at that point. So, I, I, you know, I intimately knew uh, the community quite well. And so, uh, you know, they kind of thought about it. And I think that, like, by the time they they, they had considered it, I'd forgotten that I asked. So (laughs) they ended up (laughs) reaching out to me. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, at first I I had a full-time job at the time. So... I was just kind of doing it um, on the side, but around the time that we started getting ready for Bumble Bash three, um, I ended up getting a lot more involved. Uh, and I um ended up you know helping to host a little bit Bumblebash three, just like some some little things. Mostly, I was just kind of watching what Dylan Higgins and people like that were doing. but um, yeah, by Bumble Bash four, I was you know pretty much a full time at Bumble Bash. That was the only job I had or at at Bumblebear, excuse me. That was the only job I had. It was, uh, you know, my my role ended up becoming chief marketing officer, you know, uh, instead of just doing social media, I was doing a lot of marketing outreach, kind of event planning, going to different conventions and things like that throughout the country, just, you know, evangelizing the good word of Killer Queen. And I think it was 2018, 2019, when, uh, no, yeah, 2018, when Black Emperor, uh, we started promoting that game. So... Yeah, I got to know. It, you know, it, it's it's an, and you guys know this. It's a very interesting thing because th- there's no textbook on how to market the modern arcade. That's just not a th- you know. There's there's a bunch of textbooks on how to mark re-market older games that are being renovated or you know pin- pinball games that are still being made. But this is completely untouched territory. Like you, you, there's plenty of you know ways to market digital content, things that people just download, but how do you sell to someone? You have to go to a location, bring nine of your friends and then keep doing that for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, it's not an easy sell. And no. it's a really interesting uh, th- thing to, to think about, I suppose. Um, and, you know, the ultimate goal of mar- any good marketing is to drive sales. So convincing someone to spend $15,000 on, on a machine I mean, a lot of people don't get it, but once you understand and once you see kind of the passion behind it, I mean, it's just amazing. It's There's nothing quite like it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's really cool that you were at uh, Bumble Bash 2. I didn't even know that. Uh, Miles and I ended up going to Bumble Bash 2. I don't remember if you were there, Dylan, or not. But I wasn't old enough. That's <laughs> right. You couldn't even get into the bar. That's right. Okay. Uh, we went just to scope it out because we didn't really know anything about Killer Queen when we first began developing Galactic Battleground and putting it into an arcade cabinet. So that was kind of like our crash course into like how crazy the scene could be and how big the community really is. That place was packed. Like yeah. you could not get to the bar. It was impossible. There were so many people in there. It was it was wild. The whole upper level there was just Killer Queen cabinets and nothing
2: else.
1: It's a massive bar it yeah, is a it big is, bar yeah
2: pretty big it's like a like when i look at killer queen when i go there it's like a unicorn you know it's so big it has a monitor above it it's just screams that you want to play it
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah but i mean
0: the big thing is like you were saying there's 10 people on the cabinet and selling a fourteen, fifteen thousand dollar machine is difficult i mean even at six thousand, it's difficult so what with your experience at bumblebash um starting at two doing a little bit with three and four How was 4 different from the past ones with the incorporation of all the new indie games that were brought in? And what was your role there at Bumble Bash 4?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, the event planner, I would say, for Bumble Bash 4. So I was in charge of uh, figuring out the schedule, making sure that people had what they needed. Um, What I I came to find out is that this is actually multiple people's jobs at, at a typical convention or event like this, an event of this size. You know, typically you have sort of like a an event planner you have many of them assistants to the to the event planner and you have um kind of like a, a ground floor manager someone who walks around just making sure that people have water or that you know there's no puke on the ground and things like that or, and then you have you know someone who's you have multiple multiple people who are uh, organizing the tournament itself or uh, organizing side events things like that um And we had essentially, there was me, Tiana, Aaron Goldberg, and then everyone, you know, Chaco, Brian, like everyone else at at Bumble there uh, was obviously helping out as well. But we, you know, I think that we kind of underestimated what what a big responsibility this would be. Um, So, so yeah, I ended up, you know, covering a lot of territory there. And what made it pretty different was, first of all, we, we weren't in a, in an arcade. So typically we would, you know, Bumblebash 1 was not in an arcade, but it um, was in Austin, Texas. Um, they had an arcade nearby that was in a, in sort of a private event space. Um, actually, next door at Bumblebash 1, there was a Big Buck Hunter tournament happening, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, yeah.
0: Jocko um, was mentioning that. Yeah.
1: And, you know, Bumblebash 2, obviously, Minneapolis, uh, at up down. Bumblebash 3 uh, was kind of a split. So it was in, in Portland, Oregon, and uh, part of the event was at arcade there ground control and then the other part was across the street at uh, the siren theater so it was kind of split that way so you know it's kind of another return to not doing it (laughs) at an arcade and you know this year for for bumblebash 4 you know we really wanted it to just be in one event space we wanted it to just be um in one location that people wouldn't have to like cross any streets or you know take any risks to getting from one event to the next and that didn't really work out in the end unfortunately so We got a lot of last minute changes that we had to address. And, you know, this is just typical of event planning is things are and anything that can go wrong probably will. So, you know, that was pretty different. But the one thing that was a major, major success was we got all of these other indies in there and they made it safe and sound. And it was such a beautiful it was I've never seen so many games that I wanted to play in one place. Uh, the, The only thing I could think of is like Glitch Bar. I think that Glitch Bar in South Florida, they have a really excellent collection of these kind of modern arcade games and uh but yeah bumblebash uh for you know we we just really nailed it on that one on that front the only thing is uh, i wish it had been that the games had been indoors because if it had rained or something man (laughs) what a travesty
2: yes yeah that would have been
1: horrible (laughs) and you guys had that super rare like white machine too
2: yeah still only have one of those it's currently in my stepfather's garage
1: (laughs) (laughs) there you go
0: yeah, I, I agree with you. Bumble Bash 4 was awesome. The The venue was really cool. It was uh, at the Choo Choo, right? Yeah. Um, in Chattanooga. So it was like this small town vibe, uh, but there were a lot of people there and a lot of things to do. Um, awesome food, that street market that was a couple blocks away had fantastic food there. Um, and yeah, all the games that came, we had what, Death Ball, Switch and Shoot, Cosmotrons, Armed and Gelatinous, Galactic Battleground, Killer Queen, Black Emperor, like pretty much all the big indies that are out right now um, in one place. And like you said, I mean, Glitch Bar has an awesome collection. I went down there for uh, Queen's Gone Wild in, I mm-hmm. think that was in February. And that that was crazy. I've never seen pretty much every single indie in one arcade. It's usually, and they just like, got they their Black Emperor.
1: One. Yeah. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's a great bar. Uh, if anyone ever gets the chance to go down there, it's, it's a good time too, so... Yeah, they were I mean, playing
0: we, crab volleyball there too, which was yeah. really fun. If you have you played that yet?
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I talked to Omar pretty pretty regularly. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's um,
0: definitely a good guy.
1: Yeah, it almost felt like Chattanooga is a pretty small city. Uh, it almost felt like it was Killer Queen City for the weekend because you know you would walk down the street and there's like seven or ten of like people that you kind of know from a different city. You know, so if, I think a lot of people actually ended up saying that this was. Uh, the best Bumble Bash they'd ever been to. And um, in my mind, I was like, what are you talking about? So much went wrong. But they didn't see the things that went wrong. They were just having a really good time. And the weather was perfect. Thank God it didn't rain or anything. But yeah.
2: Yeah, you yeah. couldn't ask for more perfect weather, honestly.
1: hmm
0: let's, um, let's talk about where you are now. Because I know that you are still associated with Bumble Bear. Uh, not necessarily working for them. But um, you definitely still keep in touch with everybody. What are you doing nowadays?
1: Yeah, so I'm still helping out um, if and when I can, uh, generally just with like promotional things, but uh, nothing too major. I got a, a new full-time job. Because, uh, you know, um, the arcade industry, like no one's looking to buy cabinets right now, obviously, you know, for an arcade that's going to be closed for the next who knows how long. So, yeah, that's Bumblebear's main source of revenue. So, I, you know, I helped with them uh, launching the Kickstarter for Abs versus the Blood Queen. Uh, which is the new game, and, you know, that's, you know, a, a really good potential for for revenue stream, but um, I had to take a step back and just, like, you know, find other opportunities out there. Um, so I applied for a position over at Jackbox Games, and they focus on... It's kind of a similar vibe, honestly. They, they focus on party games. The difference is it's not an arcade company, um, but, you know, party games that you can play with, like, a, a bunch of people... And I'm doing a lot of really similar work, like community management, because they have an amazing community as well. I'm doing, um, you know, obviously, like marketing, social media, things like that. And um, it's, it's. I still have the, the sense that I had with Bumblebear, where they really value my input and kind of take uh, what I say into account. So, you know, it's it's a good feeling. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, and yeah, I'm always there for Bumblebear if they ever need absolutely anything at all. I fucking love those guys.
0: Yeah, they're they're awesome guys. It's really cool to have met Nick and Josh. I I really got to know them at Bumble Bash, um, is when I spoke with them. Uh, but at uh, what was it at at Queen's Gone Wild? I talked to Nikita quite a bit, and it was cool to to chat with him more.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what are your top five favorite games of all time? And oh is it to nostalgia or from like <laughs> gameplay mechanics? And if not, you can just do your top three, and they don't have to be arcade-based, so.
1: Yeah, Killer Queen, uh, Killer Queen, Killer Queen, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, uh, I think that, so I don't know if you guys know this, but I dabble in gameplay development as well. There's, like, a project that I've been working on for, like, feel like three years now that's never going to be finished, but a big inspiration for that was definitely Earthbound um, Undertale, uh, which is also kind of inspired by by um earthbound uh so so i really like those types of games a lot um i've been playing a lot of animal crossing but it's not my favorite game at all it's just like one that i've been playing a lot in quarantine recently (laughs) i don't know i'm trying to think like um arcade wise i really like um like those games that are just quarter readers like golden axe like it's kind of unfair and you'll never get very far unless you just keep dumping quarters into it i really enjoy that mechanic for some reason <laughs> um <laughs> uh geez i'm trying to think what else have i played uh i really love the fallout series i every time they come out with a new game i, I play it and i'm disappointed you know similar to like bioshock these kind of like story driven uh, yeah. shooters like I, I really love those types of games a lot um
0: definitely two of my favorite games. BioShock is like top tier. Yeah, mm-hmm. BioShock and Fallout are both amazing franchises.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I recently finished uh The Witcher, also Witcher 3 actually, uh which I thought was a fun cool game. So, yeah, it's kind of the one the, the one type of game I don't like are like which would surprise a lot of people, I think. I don't like JRPGs. I just can't stand them. So, I've never played like any Fire emblems. I've never played uh Final Fantasy like Kingdom Hearts I've played, but I don't like it. <laughs> so, you know, you can tell you what I don't like more than I can tell you what I actually enjoy, I suppose. Um, yeah. But yeah, just all, all around, like, um, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I, I like a good mix of like indies and some like well thought out triple A's. Um, but more than anything, I, I, you know, anything that fosters a sense of community, like Killer Queen does this really well, where it's just like, you just make lifelong friends. And I think with the advent of discord, you have so many more opportunities. You know, even if you're you're playing just like a solo game like The Witcher, you can hop on like a Witcher fan Discord and make a ton of friends that way. You know, there's That's just awesome. like endless opportunities. I mean, you could. You know, I I don't do that because I'm not. I have enough <laughs> friends. <I'm good. laughs> but but you could. You know, it's it's just such an awesome time to be a gamer. You know, when I was growing up, you're a freaking nerd if you like yeah. <laughs> if you were interested in this kind of stuff. But but now it's just like I don't know. It's really revolutionized. uh, you know, being into video games, which is great. It's awesome. Right, I mean, mean the only girl.
0: place you were really talking to anybody was, like, in the Xbox lobby place.
1: Oh, oh and God. they're just toxic?
0: Oh, God. Yeah, just super, super toxic before game.
2: Yep. Best times of my life. Um <laughs> <laughs> again good memories. <laughs> um, so, what what do you think makes a game great? Like... I've...
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, I think something I've said before is, like, because I've answered this question pretty recently, I think, and I think my answer was, uh, you know, fostering a sense of community, Uh, like a game that that can kind of, like, do that, you know, whether that's – it compels artists to create fan art or if it's something that um, compels people to, you know, like I said, hop on, like, Discord and, like, start a whole conversation about it or, like, something that, you know, they're just, like, on the forums day and night just talking about, like, story intricacies or anything like that, like, um, any game that fosters that sense of, like, belonging in people uh, I think it just makes for a really great game. You know, it can be, like, even, like, quote-unquote bad games can do this.
2: Yeah. So, like, it's just bad games are the worst games, and, like, think about it, like, E.T., you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, you know, it's, it's a joke. Like, people call Killer Queen a dumb B game or like they'll say like the game's broken or whatever you know like they're joking they love it but it's like that's the joke is like it at the end of the day it's just like a simple platformer that we're fucking obsessed with
2: yeah exactly
1: so so just by itself it's it's a it's an interesting concept you have three ways to win that's pretty clever whatever um but what really makes it shine is just that sense of community that you get from it
2: yeah exactly like the community aspect is like the best thing you could ever ask for like i love playing world of warcraft because of the community Mm -hmm. like i have some long-term friends from 10 years ago i like don't talk to them that often but whenever i hop on it's you know we still talk um so i have another question um where do you see the indie arcade scene going within the next few years i know covid is making a big damper on it but i just want to get your insight on it
1: yeah, unfortunately, uh, it might be going to downloadables, you know, that, that might have to because, you know, if, if uh, public spaces stay closed for a lot longer, I, I think that, yeah, you know, Bumblebear got a really good jump on it. it, you know, a few weeks into quarantine, they kind of saw the writing on the walls super quickly and started, you know, doing everything they could to, to get this off the ground. So, you know, I think that might be kind of the way to keep, the, you know, the company is just afloat or alive until things do reopen and they're able to sell their machines again i mean outside of that you know people have explored options of like having like remote controllers so they can like stand far away and i, I don't i just don't see it happening yeah
2: that is it's a, unfortunate um, yeah it is really unfortunate
0: yeah i mean the, the camaraderie of the arcade is definitely the rubbing elbows with your opponents and being in their face, being able to talk trash. So I, I think you're right with the downloadable side because you can at least still get people into the game and be able to play the game. Um, and then when arcades open up, they'll be looking for these games in the arcade because they know that's where they were based at.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's like you said, rubbing elbows, standing, you know, like six inches apart, not six feet apart. You know, it's like the number one thing that arcades are looking to. To That's like the reason that they're staying closed right now. Yeah. So It's not, it's not looking good. You know, I've got plenty of friends who, you know, own and operate similar businesses. And I wish I could say, don't worry, it'll be okay. But I don't, I just have no idea. You know, it's not that I'm thinking it'll be bad. I just, I don't know where things are going.
2: There's
0: there's definitely potential for it to come back, but it's when. No one knows when. So that's just the big lingering question right now. Yeah. And can can they survive?
1: Like, can Uh, they survive the next six months? You know, it's, uh, I don't know. It sucks, man. It's, it's really awful.
2: Right. I mean like all the Kickstarters and stuff and
0: only time will tell. We'll know later on. So before we wrap all this up, Belia, um, did you have one more thing you wanted to say?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, a sign, a sign of hope. Because <laughs> that's kind of a downer to leave off on. But um, <laughs> one, one good thing is that um, video games in general have been doing super well. In terms of sales, you know, it's just like a really ripe market right now. Like, people are staying home. They want to play video games. I think more people are becoming video game literate. Like, more people are learning about Steam, what that is. Uh, they're, they're learning more about the types of games they like. They're, they're just gaining more gaming literacy overall. So there's a burgeoning market that, that was previously untapped that's currently being tapped into. And there's a lot of hope for the future is all I'm saying. So don't, don't get too down. You know, once all of this is kind of cleared out, I think that we're going to be in good shape.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. Well, thanks for coming on today, Belia. It was awesome talking to you and we'll definitely have to stay in touch.
2: Um, yeah, thank
1: you so much for having me.
2: Belia, do you want to shout out any social medias before we end this?
1: Yeah, check out Abs versus the Blood Queen. Uh, help keep uh, people who do awesome things so able to do awesome things. Uh, <laughs> check it out. Uh, we've got a Facebook Kickstarter. I'm sure Chaco plugged all this stuff as well, but I'll send you guys the links.
2: Okay, perfect.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll be back next Friday with another episode. Until then, peace out.
2: Later.